just have to wait till the beat drops with that song. You know, I love that song, Money Trees by Kendrick Lamar and my man J Rock. I think J Rock had the best verse in that song, though. I'm sorry. I think he had a better verse in that song. But welcome back to the Super Junior Podcast. My name is Wade. Thank you guys for tuning in again. This is episode four of the Super Junior Podcast. Hope you guys had an amazing week last week. Hope you guys are staying dry. It's been a little rainy in New York the past couple days. Sucks. This little gloomy weather. I know my servers are suffering because they're not going to be making as much money while this rain. But hope everyone's having had a great week and is having a great week this week as well. Last week was Halloween. I hope you guys had a safe Halloween. Ugh. Halloween, Halloween. Halloween is just not my holiday. I don't feel like dressing up in costumes and stuff like that. And then being around people, going to parade, drunk people. Ugh. Especially if you're not drunk, it's not fun. So I stayed in this Halloween. And I watched my typical Halloween go-to movie, Hocus Pocus. I know, it's a kid movie. I'm 24. I grew up this movie. I watch Hocus Pocus every year for Halloween growing up as a kid. Why break the tradition now? And I just found out that Hocus Pocus was celebrating their 25th anniversary this year. And I watched the little special they did on TV. I thought it was great. It was great seeing the characters. Bette Midler still looks good. I didn't know Sarah Jessica Parker played that third witch. And also the woman that was in Sister Act, she played the other witch, the big heavy set witch. I love that. I love the movie. And also I saw what Billy, the, you know, the mummy in that movie, I saw what he looks like in real life. Ugh. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> it was good seeing that movie and seeing like the, the characters and how they look like now. This seeing a movie that you grew up with, very good to see. I would love to see like a reunion of like some of the other Disney movies I used to watch that used to come on Friday nights, um, the little movie thing. Like, Johnny Tsunami was one of my favorite movies to watch as a kid. Also, Brink was another good movie I used to love as a kid. Those were my two go-to movies. And also, Hocus Pocus. I can't think of any other movies I used to watch when I was a kid on Disney Channel. But those three, Johnny Tsunami. Oh, Famous Jetta Jackson was a good one as well. Um, Yeah, Famous Jetta Jackson. That was a TV show. I think they made a movie out of it too. But I love those movies on Disney Channel. But we have to get started with sports. Enough about Disney Channel and uh, reminiscing about when I was a kid. Let's get started with sports. Last week, we had a big week on sports. It was the NFL trade deadline. It was a lot of moves made. A lot of teams tried to upgrade their rosters to get ready for a little playoff push. So it was good to see a lot of teams making moves. One of the moves I was kind of excited about, or what, not excited about, but one of the moves I like really caught my eye was Golden Tate going to the Eagles. The Eagles traded a third-round pick to the to the Detroit Lions. I thought it was a great move for the Eagles. It was, a, in my opinion, a stupid move for the Detroit Lions. Like, the Lions, that was Matthew Styra's go-to receiver, and they have really no other receiver. I know they have other receivers that they're looking at that can, like, step in, and they probably didn't think they could sign um, Golden Tate back this offseason, so they was like, fuck it, let's get a third-round pick for him. Which, looking at it, it is a good move, but this year, if you're trying to win... I would say go for it, but hey, third round pick is worth it. So he's gone. Kenny Galladay better step up though. And look, judging by the looks of what happened on Sunday, he didn't step up or that whole team didn't step up because they got demolished by the Vikings. But I digress. Back to the Eagles. It's a big move for the Eagles. They got they got two tight ends. They got Dallas Goddard. They got Brent Selleck. And then they also got um Nelson Algalor. They got Jordan Matthews now. They got Alshon Jeffrey on the outside, and now Golden Tate fits right in in that slot position, and he's a great yards at the catch receiver. He's going to be a big pickup for them, 
and it's going to be really difficult to guard the Eagles offensively. They got the running backs, the little scat backs. Carson Wentz got weapons, so he, they got really no excuse as to why they can't win this year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what Golden Tate looks like in that Eagles offense along with the rest of those guys, the rest of their playmakers. Another team that got added another added a wide receiver was the Texans. They traded a fourth-round pick, and they swapped seventh-round picks with Denver to add Demarius Thomas. Demarius Thomas, a lot of people say he's had two careers, his career with Peyton Manning and then his post-career when Peyton Manning left. He hasn't had the greatest quarterbacks. Like he had Paston Lynch, Brock Osweiler, and now he had Trevor, um, he had Trevor Simeon. And then now he has, um, got his name, the guy that played for the Vikings last year. It'll come to me. But they, they weren't, they're not good quarterbacks at all. So Case Keenum, Case Keenum, he's not a great quarterback. He's more of a game manager, and he's not one of those quarterbacks that is going to lead that franchise. John Elway sucks at picking, picking quarterbacks, just to let you guys know. <laughs> he's just he's terrible at picking quarterbacks. Um, yeah, Demarius Thomas joined the Houston Texans. That's big for the Texans because you know they lost their wide their second wide out and Will Fuller. Kiki Cutie has been their slot receiver has been hurt, so they're gonna need another wide receiver to come in and try to help DeAndre Hopkins take some pressure off of him or just catch easy balls because you know DeAndre Hopkins getting triple and double covered all day. And he's still catching them, but. He's good to have like a good possession wide receiver like Demarius Thomas, a big body receiver. Hopefully he can catch the ball. He has problems dropping the ball. So hopefully he can like have a, re- a rejuvenation to his career now that he's with another good quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And for the for Denver, like they have another wide receiver, Cortland Sutton, that they like, they're really high on. And I really love Emmanuel Sanders. I wish Emmanuel Sanders would just leave that team. Go to a team that's like a contender. Like I wouldn't mind seeing Emmanuel Sanders a great slot, a good slot receiver. Might even be great, but they need him to. They need him to have a weapon for uh, Case Keenum. So that's why they're not going to get rid of him or trade him. But that's where the value really was. They could have got a third. I think they could have got a third round pick for Emmanuel Sanders himself. But moving on from the two wide receivers they got traded, some defense moves that were made. Haha Clinton Dix was traded from the Packers to the Redskins for a fourth round pick in next year's draft. I didn't really get this this trade at all because Conklin this is rated as the second best safety in the league, and now he's joining the Washington Redskins, who had the first best the the first ranked safety in the league in DJ Swearinger. So I don't know what the plan is for the Packers defensively. I heard they wasn't really too happy with Conklin this play, but you're trading a good good defender away that could have been used in that game against the. The Patriots, but I'll get to that later. How clean this going to Redskins? Redskins are showing up their defensive side of the ball, which is great for them because I don't know about their offense. <laughs> their offense is going to struggle now after all the injuries they suffered this past weekend. They lost two offensive guards for the year. They also lost their wide receiver, Paul Richardson, for the year as well. So going defense and focusing on that side of the ball is going to be a great help for them. Hopefully, how clean this can be that. Uh, like be a game changer for them and help out that defense. Also, another trade that the Packers made, they traded Ty Montgomery away to the Baltimore Ravens for a second round pick. We all know why he got traded because that dumbass move he made last week against the uh, Rams by running it out. And he said he didn't know if he could trust any of them in his locker room, any of his teammates in the locker room anyway after that because a lot of them were questioning why his motives behind that play. And you know he's like seventh round pick. That's really not to be talked about. I just want to talk about it because you know he got traded. Aaron Rodgers was pissed off at him. 
Aaron Rodgers is an angry man, yo. He's an angry, angry man. But another trade, one of the other trades that happened over the um, trade deadline was Dante Fowler going to the Rams. I believe it was for a third-round pick, a third or fourth-round pick. Uh, Dante Fowler, he's a defensive end, and he had a great year. Not, it was, I believe it was last year. He, had, he was having a slow year this year because of, you know, that Jaguars defense been struggling all year. But him going to the Rams, I think it's going to be a big pickup for the Rams because now they bet to move they get to move and Donald and Sue back inside. So it's gonna be it's gonna be Sue and Aaron Donald in the middle. And it's gonna be pushing the line. So they're gonna a lot of attention is gonna be on those two guys. So it's gonna allow for Dante Fowler to have one on one matchups with, with tackles and I think he could win those. And he could he could really help this Rams defense out, especially after we saw on on Sunday night with that defense. Whew, Lord have mercy. That defense was terrible. Speaking of looking, to, like like I said about that defense looking terrible, the Rams did play the Saints on Sunday Night Football. Not Sunday Night Football. They played the Saints on Sunday night, right before the Sunday Night Football game. Marcus Peters, he got torched, man. He got torched by Michael Thomas. It was an embarrassing performance. I know he said he did a, he did terrible on Sunday, but it needs to be said he did terrible. <laughs> Michael Thomas had 12 catches with 211 yards and one touchdown. That one touchdown was that was a game-winning play where Peters kind of gambled. He tried to just jump and make the pick, and it was seemed like a little defensive like miscu- miscommunication. And the team, and Michael Thomas and the Saints blew the game wide open. After the Rams made a great court comeback, like the Rams were down 35 to 17 at half, but they remained calm, remained poised. They got that field goal at the end of the half to make it. 35-17, and then they came out, and they started chipping away at the lead, just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and then they went, I believe they went three and out, like, right after they made the, they got, they tied the game up, and they was about to, they had the momentum on their side, and then the Saints just got a three, a big, crucial three and out um, sequence by the defense, and then right after that, that was a big play by Michael Thomas that blew the game wide open. He came out with the cell phone like Joe Horn. And I was thinking to myself, like, I remember someone doing that. And it was the same to Joe Horn when he put out the cell phone and started typing on it. I don't understand who they call it. They call him, like, oh, calling calling the fact they should be in the Hall of Fame. But to me, in my opinion, the Rams' defense definitely has to get better. I don't know if Aqib Tlaib is coming back, but Marcus Peters needs to get back on his A game. He needs to be that, go back to being that cornerback that he was in Kansas City. I know a lot of people are saying that he this is who he is. He gambles and sometimes he gambles wrong, especially in Wade Phillips system. It's gonna be difficult for him because like they asked him to play a lot of man coverage and he's always a man and you can't gamble in man coverage. You gotta be you gotta be on your P's and Q's and make sure you they're technically sound and you're also just making sure you your assignment is taken care of. He was getting burned in that game. Hopefully, Aqib Tlaib can come back so he won't have to face the number one receiver. And Tlaib is healthy, so he can go up against the number one receiver. And Peters can go on the number two, and he can do those little gambling plays that he likes to do. So the defense needs to get back on track. And hopefully, Dante Fowler adding to the team. You'll see a different You'll see a different team that's week and the, the weeks coming forward. I think... The Rams are gonna be fine. I think they're gonna if they face the Saints again, they'll be fine. They'll especially if they're not if it's gonna be in LA. I think the Saints they played a great game, and the news that's coming out now is that they're looking at to sign another receiver. Maybe they brought in Des Bryant for a workout. I think that's gonna be good for them because that whole game it was it was either Michael Thomas, 
Oh, that's it. They have that other guy, their, their rookie Traquan Smith, but he only caught he's only caught twelve balls in a year. Their offense is Alvin Kamara, then it's Michael Thomas, and Benjamin Watson sometimes. So they need another receiver. And if what's if Des Bryant come in, he could be like a little nice possession receiver. Hey, that would be good for them. They don't need Des Bryant to be a, a world beater or be like an alpha receiver. They just need someone that's gonna move the chains. And that's if he could provide that, I say hey, go go ahead and sign him. And the Saints, I know a lot of people saying the Saints like they're off their defense can really stop the run. Only reason why Todd Gurley didn't really show up like that, in my opinion, was because they weren't really trying to run the ball. They were down most of the game, so they couldn't really run the ball. And when they did try to run the ball, like it was just to like give them give the defense a different look instead of throwing the ball over and over and over again. So I didn't really think like the, the Saints defense is great yet. I want to see them in close games when opposing offense doesn't have to throw the ball. That they were trailing in the game, so that's why they had to throw the ball, and that's why Todd Gurley's numbers weren't that good. But he still scored a touchdown, and he still he had a decent game. Was obviously it wasn't a Todd Gurley game that he's been having this past year. The Saints, they had, they played their game and they won, so you got to tip the hats to them. But in the playoffs, I don't think they could do it, especially if the Rams get the number one seed. But we shall see. We shall see. Another great game from Sunday night was the Patriots versus the Packers. It wasn't a great game. To me, it was kind of boring. Like I really, didn't, I really wasn't impressed by it. I thought the Saints and the Rams game should have been the Sunday night game, but that's just me. The Patriots ended up winning that game though against the Packers, thirty-one to seventeen. It was tied to go into the fourth quarter, and then the final, then the final quarter, Tom Brady just did his thing and led his team back to victory. Well, Josh Gordon finally showed up for the Patriots. He had five catches for 130 yards and one touchdown. Josh Gordon just like to me, he looks out of shape and just looks like he's not he's he's not the same athletically. But he's still getting the job done. But he doesn't he doesn't look in shape to me. He looks out of shape and looks tired and looks slow. It's almost like he looks like a tight end, which is hilarious. But I digress. The game changed, in my opinion, when Aaron Jones fumbled the football. Like that really blew the game wide open. I know a lot of people are saying when Julian Elman had his little fake, um, the little trick play where he threw it over to James White to set up their um, first touchdown of the fourth quarter, and then of course, like the final touchdown of the game was with Josh Gordon. He blew by his defender, and, and Brady found, finally found him for a touchdown in the game. His first touchdown of the game. His first and only touchdown in the game. But for me, Brady, I'll talk about the, the Patriots side of it first. Obviously, I talked about Josh Gordon and his big day. But Brady, to me, it doesn't look like Brady doesn't even have to, for, for this team to win, Brady doesn't even have to play his A game all game long. And I think he knows that. He, doesn't, he knows he doesn't have to be at his best throughout the game. He just has to keep his team there, keep his team there, keep his team there, and just make little plays. Like he just, He's an orchestrator of the offense. Like he doesn't have to be great, but when it counts, that man is great. And you can't deny it. This year, Brady in the fourth quarter, when his team is either up or down seven, and in this case, in this game, he was tied up. Brady is 20 of 30, 29 of 34. He has 505 yards. He is completing 85.3% of his passes. He has three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and has a QB rating of 148.2. That's this year in the fourth quarter. Like the man is great. Like he's when he, when it's money time, he's gonna show up. That's why he's close to Jordan. Like you know, you knew when Jordan money time, you weren't gonna get to a game seven in the finals. Like you just knew 
He was going to find a way to win that game, no matter what. So that's what Brady is to me right now. That's why he could play till he's 45, because he, cause he just knows what he has to do to get his team and put his team in a position to where at the end of the game, like, all I got to make is a couple plays, and I'm going to make, and I have confidence that I'm going to make them, and we're going to win this game. And that's what other people don't have. That's especially what the Packers don't have. Mike McCarthy, ugh, to be honest with you, him and Rodgers' relationship doesn't look good. And Rodgers, whenever I see him on the court, like, he has terrible body language. I'm watching that game. You just see on his face. Whenever, like, there was an incomplete pass or there was a mistake, you just see on his face. He's just like, ugh, these niggas. You just see him as, like, the disappointment. And it's just not, he doesn't have that body language like, oh, let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's go. Incomplete pass, I know, but let's move on to the next play. Rodgers, he looks like, ugh. Every bad, everything that bad that happens on the field, you can see this all over his face and his body. He has terrible body language, terrible. And then also, Mike McCarthy, his play calling like is nothing. The team in general is nothing special about that team besides Aaron Rodgers. Like I don't know what the GM is doing that they can't find better pieces to fit around Aaron Rodgers. And that's probably the reason why he has bad body language because he knows his team is not up to par and he's just like sad he's just upset because he feels like he deserves a better team around him and i don't blame him because he does like aaron Rodgers too talented to be having a team that he has around him and the play calling is uninspiring inspiring uninspiring it's just it's dull and lifeless and you can just tell like their relationship is not great and at the end of the year mike mccartney is going to be gone unless aaron Rodgers pulls america out of his hat and he's able to like string off like eight straight games to get him to the playoffs, there's no way that Michael McCarthy is going to keep his job. Because I think they're just going to lose in the first round anyway. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions surrounding the Packers. The Packers just need a lot of help right now. And the Patriots, they're the Patriots. They're going to be they're gonna be there at the end of the year. They play in the AFC East where the teams are terrible, especially my damn Jets. But Brady, he's going to have his team there at the end of the day. That's what you know you can count on. Tell the big game of the week. Monday Night Football wasn't really a big game of the week. It was just Monday Night Football. The Cowboys faced the Titans, and the Cowboys, Cowboys, Cowboys. Ugh. They lost 28-14. to 14, And they got embarrassed, in my opinion, because... Let's just say... I don't even know how to put this. They got embarrassed because they let someone just go... After the interception on that Prescott, the cornerback, Bayard, he just runs... Or safety, whatever he plays. He plays I think he plays safety. He just runs to the center field and steps on their, on their um, on on the on the symbol. He's stepping on the star, dancing on it. Are you kidding me? And the only person that ran over there to do anything was Church, and their whole team was basically on the star dancing. That the whole Dallas Cowboy team that was on the field, the whole team that was on the field should have came over and did something about that. Like the Dallas Cowboys, they got embarrassed on Monday night. They just did. Like they didn't show up and they didn't. This is your home field. You let some team just dance on the on the on your star and then proceed to whoop your ass in the game. Like I don't know, Jason Garrett or Scott Linehan needs to go because they, their offense is way too predictable. The whole game, Booger McFarlane and Jason Wynn, they basically calling out the first play of every drive. Like, oh, run to Zeke Elliott. This, and they kept saying that, oh, the offense is too predictable. They keep running on first down. They kept saying it all game long. All game long. The offense is too predictable. You need to switch it up. You, first down, you can't always run with them first down. Because the defense knows, like, all right, if we stop Ezekiel on the first down, 
hold them to no yards or push them back. Now it's second and ten. Now they got to throw. Why don't you throw a little wrinkle in there? Throw it sometimes on first down. Like, they have no... They have no, like, imagination with this offense. And Jason Garrett's an offensive guy. So why can't he, I'm, if I'm Jason Garrett, the same thing I said about Hugh Jackson the week before, if I'm going down, I'd rather go down with me, with my ideas, and know that, hey, at least I, like, I'm, the reason we're losing is because of what I'm doing. It's not because of what my offensive coordinator is doing. Like, I don't know if Jason Garrett has any, like, say or is he's, giving some input on the offensive strategies. But he if he's not, he really needs to go in there and do that. I know he's the mad clapper. He's the mad clapper, but he needs to go out there and actually like put his imprint on that offense. Since he was a good offensive coordinator, so I don't understand between the two of them, why is Dak looking like he he's regressing so much? Dak Prescott looks like, to me, he looks like the pressure of playing for Dallas is getting to him. Like The pressure of having... Um, your owner just sit up there looking at you, the whole organization just looking at you and playing in Dallas. It's getting to Dak Prescott because the first, like, I didn't notice this, but I was watching TV on, on Tuesday and, and D'Angelo said it. Like, Dak Prescott was on the first touchdown to Mario Cooper. Mario Cooper had a, a touchdown. He had his first touchdown to Dallas Cowboy. But on that first touchdown, Dak was staring him all the way, staring down his route the whole way. And then for the pick, he throws, he's forcing it to Amari Cooper. I'm like, why are you, like, I know Amari Cooper is he's supposed to be your new number one, but, like, you don't have to force it to Amari Cooper. Like, there was other people. If there's two people on Amari Cooper, you shouldn't be throwing to him. There's someone else open. So, look for someone else. There's other opportunities. And, plus, you took points off of the board. Dallas took too many points off the board. In the first half, they lost out on 10 points. It, it could have been either 21 point. They could have had 20 point, 21 points in the first half. Not including the touchdown they scored late in the first half um, to end the half. They could have had 28. Or they could have had 17. They could have went up 17 in the first quarter. So, they were taking too many points off the board, and they weren't efficient in the red zone. Dak, I feel like he's trying to do too much. I think the pressure is getting to him. He's holding on the ball too much, trying to make a play. And I just think he needs to calm down. They need to make. They need to find whatever Dak does well and do that. Play to his strengths. If it means doing read option, do more read option. If it means Dak needs to not be so... When Dez was there, he was always focused on Dez. Like, I got to get the ball to Dez because he's my number one. But no, like, move the ball around. Get the ball to your other receivers. Cole Beasley's still on the team. I didn't really hear Cole Beasley's name said once during that game. Dallas has, Dallas has too many questions. Now their defense. Ugh. Their defense was supposed to be one of the best defenses in the league. They were playing like it this year, but the defense is not playing. Did not play well last night. They gave up the worst third down percentage of the whole season. Like the Tennessee Titans went eleven to fourteen on third down on Monday night. It's ridiculous. How you let a team go eleven to fourteen? How you let Marcus Mariota go eleven to fourteen on third down? It's embarrassing. And going back to Dak, Dak now has ten games of multiple turnovers since the start of last year. And his team is now 1-9 in those games. So, a lot is going to need to happen. They need to shore up that defense. I was surprised at their defense. I was actually going to pick their defense up for fantasy. Because I thought they could be able to shut them down. Shut down the Tennessee Titans. But they didn't. And they did not show up at all on Monday night. The offensive line is not looking good. But I think the offensive line is not looking good. Because Dak is kind of holding on the ball for way too long. If Dak gets rid of, If it's not there, Dak, just get rid of the ball. But I do feel like the offense line is not helping on Ezekiel Elliott. To me, 
Zeke Elliott hasn't looked special all year. Maybe it's because the offense is taking the ball out of his hand and putting the ball in Dak's hand too much. Could be the reason. Yo, this needs to be a Zeke offense with Dak just making big throws here and there. That's, a, that's what the offense needs to be. And I understand you want to run the ball often with Zeke, but switch it up. Sometimes you don't, you don't always have to run the ball on the first down. I know it's the MO, like, all right, we're going to run the ball on first down, get hopefully three or four yards, make it a manageable second down, make it second and six or second and five. But you're not always going to get that, especially when you're becoming predictable when the announcers are calling your plays before you even run them. Like, there needs to be a little bit more imagination to this team. And, and Dallas will be way better than they are right now. But you do have to give Tennessee some credit. You got to give Marcus Mariota credit because Mariota did show up. I wasn't expecting that type of performance from Marcus Mariota, but he showed up and he did a great job in the game. Uh, he had a big clinching touchdown in a few last in a few minutes, ru- rushing touchdown, and then you also this he converted on third down. So, and their defense did show up. They held Dallas to zero points in the second half. They held Zeke Elliott, even though Zeke wasn't getting the ball in the second half. He only got the ball six times in the second half. That's ridiculous. Six times. I don't know what Dallas is going to do, but. That was their moment, especially since I said before, Washington is come, has a bunch of injuries, so they could have like made a step. Being 4-4 four and four, instead of being 3-5 and would have been way better for Dallas' chances, especially since, we, to me, I think Washington's going to come back to the pack. And the Eagles, it could have been the Eagles and the Cowboys fighting it out for the, for the division, and maybe the Cowboys, they'd have got to 4-4, four and four, they would have had a chance in the wild card. But they ain't going to have no chance in the wild card because there's a lot of teams in the NFC they're going to have to win a division. And with the Eagles and the and the Redskins, they got a head start on the Cowboys, especially now since they're 3-5. and five. It's going to be a long season. And if after this year, these next coming games, they're going to have to finish strong if, if Jason Garrett or Scott Linehan want to keep their job. It already came out on Tuesday that Jerry Jones wants to keep Dak and give him a contract extension. I don't know why. I really do feel like the pressure's getting to Dak. So I think that Jerry Jones is trying to give him like a little vote of confidence and let him know, like, hey, don't worry. This play loose and free. We like your job is not depending on this performance. I think they trying to give him that little that little comfort to make him see if he could play better with that. But to me, I haven't seen any reason why I would keep that Prescott on my team. But moving on, speaking of my team, ugh. My freaking Jets, man. My Jets. I'm really getting, like, I'm t- I told, well, first off, I told you, another boring game was the defensive battle. I couldn't even watch that game. It was, it was defensive, and also, it was offensive to watch that game because Sam Darnold had another bad game. I, I know everyone's telling me, oh, Sam is going to be good. He Don't worry. Like, he's just having growing pains. I really like him. Don't lie to me. This thing looks, he looks bad. Come on now. I'm, I know what I see, and I don't see a good quarterback right now. I know he's just getting his lumps. He's a he's a rookie. He just needs to take these lumps right now. But I don't like what I'm seeing. His stats on Sunday: he was 21 of 39, 229 yards and four interceptions, with a QB rating of 31.8. It was a terrible game for this man, and I don't want to keep hearing the same stuff like, "Oh, like he has the potential." I'm not seeing it right now. I'm really not. And it and the Dolphins, the defense showed up this week, so I'm really can't be mad at my defense. The only touchdown score was a was a, on a pick six by Sam Darnold. He's not playing well right now. He's just not. And I need more better play out of him going forward than what I'm seeing. I really don't like what I'm seeing from Sam Darnold. I I need him to be better. Really do. The Dolphins side of things, 
I think the Dolphins are going to move on from Ryan Tannehill. I don't think he's going to be there. Brock Osweiler is not really much of an upgrade, but he got the job done this weekend doing absolutely nothing, barely anything. But Ryan Tannehill, I don't think he's going to be back as a starting quarterback. I think the Dolphins are going to, I think the Dolphins should take a look at Jameis Winston or Derek Carr in the offseason. I think Adam Gase is supposed to be a quarterback guru, so if he can help um, Jameis Winston or Derek Carr get back on top, I say just go for it, be honest. Just go for it. And, yeah, like I said, the Jets, not a good week. I'm hoping next week will be better. We face the Bills next week. We better win that game. We lose to the Bills. Todd Bowles deserves to be fired ASAP. I'm just saying you know that right now. I'm talking about, I'll talk about all the games later, and I'll talk about that game later. But you better not lose to the Bills. Another team that's looking like the Bills, the Raiders. Lord have mercy. The Raiders look terrible. On Thursday night football last week, they played San Fran. San Fran beat them 34-3. I was going to say, I know it's, I'm, I'm going to slow my roll until Monday night when San Fran plays the Giants, another terrible team. But when San Fran plays the Giants, I want to see how this, their new quarterback, Nick Mullins, looks. Because he, if he plays good, I think there might be a little QB controversy in, um, in San, San Fran. I don't think you're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, especially if they paid him all that money. They'll probably take Nick Mullins and trade him somewhere, like get some assets back for him, get that pick they traded Jimmy Garoppolo for. They get that back. They trade Nick Mullins. He performs in these final few weeks, so we'll see. Oakland, they look like they quit on their team. They look like they quit. I believe they, they got rid of their linebacker, Bruce Irvin. Um, they had a, the outside linebacker, they got rid of Bruce Irvin because he know that team is not good. And just Oakland is... It looks terrible. They had to, they benched Derek Carr in the fourth quarter. I mean, they were down thirty-four to three. Like, there really was no need for him to play. There's no need for him to play for the rest of the season. We we know what you're trying to do. You're taking. You want to just wait out for next year. Fine, go ahead. Don't try to don't try to lie to the fans. Take Derek Carr out so he doesn't get hurt. Let him be. And Adrian McCarron, let him get let him get some runs. See what he can do. But Oakland's just not looking good this year. And hopefully, I don't know. I really don't know. Hopefully, John Gruden does know what he's doing. I hope he does get this team back to where it should be because it was embarrassing how they looked on Thursday night football. But some other football news that happened this week. Matt Patricia, you got mad at a reporter because of the reporter's posture while he was asking him a question. Who the hell is Matt Patricia to yell at somebody? Who is he to yell at somebody about their posture and how they look while they asking him a question? You guys really should check it out. Because the way this man like basically chastised that reporter was ridiculous. If that was that reporter, I would have cursed him out on the spot. I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to, you fat. <laughs> this You just you got to go off with him. Because the way he, how are you going to look all disheveled all the time? Look like, look unkept. And then you're going to talk about someone's posture while they're asking you a question. And the question wasn't even that serious. It was a like a throwaway question. Come on now. Matt Patricia, stop, stop trying to feel yourself. Like you're not, you're not even that, you're not. Bill Belichick that. You don't have five rings to be disrespecting people like that. And some other news as well. Um, Chris Johnson, former Tennessee Titans running back. He had 2006 yards, rushing yards in one season in 2009. Um, he retired this this past week. Good luck to him. He's a great running back. He had some great years in Tennessee, and he was a bell cow. He played first and second down, and he would run up the middle. I respect Chris Johnson. He was on the, I believe he was on the Jets for a little bit. And he was also on the, he last played for the Arizona Cardinals. 
And Arizona Cardinals also got rid of Sam Bradford. That man stole money. That man Sam Bradford stole money. He made like $129 million in his career, and he hasn't done nothing. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. But let's look, a look ahead to next week's matchups in the league. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers, the 5-2-1 Pittsburgh Steelers playing the 6-2 Panthers on Thursday Night Football. The Steelers, they just had a big divisional win against the Ravens last week. Uh, it was 23-16. The Ravens, I think they're going to be moving on from John Harbaugh or Joe Flacco. I think Joe Flacco definitely needs to go. Joe Flacco, he started off the year great. His connection with John Brown was good. But now, the past few games since that Saints game, he has not been a good quarterback. He's turned back into Joe Flacco, as Skip Bayless would say. So I'd say they move on for him. John Harbaugh, I think he's a good coach, so I wouldn't want to get rid of him. But I can understand if they do because I think he's sticking with Joe Flacco way too long. He needs to make that change now. And I heard that he they were looking to get rid of him before the season started anyway. So I just think this season is going to be their excuse to get rid of John Harbaugh. But Joe Flacco definitely needs to go. The Steelers, on the other hand, it looks like Le'Veon Bell's going to be back. Not this coming game, but by next week. Because he has to sign his contract by next Tuesday in order to get credit for the season. So they won't be able to franchise tag him and then hold, keep him hostage again. So I think he'll be back by next week. He's not going to play in this game. And on the other side of the uh, matchup, the Panthers... The, they just had a good divisional win against the Buccaneers. They won 42 to 28. They beat Fitz Magic. Cam Newton, I, I'm telling you, Cam Newton looks great this year. Cam, since the Giants game, his play has improved each game. His QBR in that Giants game was 27.8, and each game has it incre has increased since then. And last week, this past weekend against the Buccaneers, he um, he got a QBR of 86.3, so he's improving. Cam is really improving this year. And also, this year, in each and every one of his games, Cam Newton has completed 60% of his passes in each game. Cam Newton has completed at least 60% of his passes each game. This is a man that, that usually regularly gets, like, he'd be completing passes in the 50%. So, it's good to see Cam Newton become more efficient. And also, in three games this year, Cam Newton has had a completion percentage of 70% or better. In the last two weeks... He's had a completion percentage of 76 and 72.4, respectively. Like, Cam Newton's showing out this year, and I think he's going to continue his good play on Thursday when he faces the Steelers. I'm, I'm going to take the Panthers. I'm really going to take the Panthers. I think Cam Newton is going to show out. As we all know, the Steelers don't have a good defense. So I really, I fully expect them to have a great week. I really do. Because they have to keep pace with the Saints, too, because the Saints... They only one game behind the Saints in the loss column, but they can't lose again. And the Saints better look out because the Panthers are coming for their ass. I'm telling you that right now. It's going to be good, that little divisional race between the Saints and the Panthers because, of course, the Saints and the Panthers face each other two times in the last three weeks of the season. So we're going to see. We are definitely going to see. Some other matches from the week, the Lions are going to face the Bears. I definitely, I'm thinking it's going to be a close game. I think the Bears are going to take that game. But I wouldn't be surprised if Matt Stafford figures out a way to win the game. It's gonna be, I think it'll be close. I want to know if I want to be interested to see if Khalil Mack is will come back for this game or wait another week. Cause I don't think the Bears need Khalil Mack to beat the Lions. But hey, I could be wrong. But I see the Bears be winning that game. The Saints are gonna be facing the Bengals this week as well. I believe in that game. I'll take. I'm taking the Saints. I think the Bengals could win. 
The Bengals have a good offense, but that defense is fucking terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. They got some weapons, and also A.J. Green's going to be out, so I'm definitely going to take the Saints in that game. I got to take the Saints. Hopefully Tyler Boyd has a good game, though. I'm definitely taking the Saints. This man, Michael Thomas, he has 70 receptions, 880 yards this season. 70 receptions. Damn. God damn. Some other games that's coming on, the Falcons are going to face the Browns. Definitely taking the Falcons in that game. The Falcons' defense sucks, but their offense, Steve Sarkeesian, he finally figured out the NFL out. He's doing well with that offense. I thought... The Redskins will have will do good. Their defense will do good against the Falcons, but I was completely wrong. They torched the Redskins, and Ha Clinton did, didn't have a great start to his, to his career in Washington. But the Falcons have weapons, so I'm not really surprised. They got, of course, they got Julio Jones. They got he finally scored a touchdown. Let's oh, we need a round of applause for Julio Jones. Round of applause for Julio Jones finally scored a touchdown. Round of applause. This round of applause. Round of applause. Keep it going. Round of Keep it going. Just for Julio Jones. He needs a standing ovation because he finally got a touchdown in week nine of the damn league. If I'm, seriously, if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm really mad this man never scores touchdowns. But some other games from the week. Patriots are going to be facing the Titans. I fully expect the Patriots to win. I don't expect the Titans to win this game. Titans do have a pretty decent defense. I don't expect Marcus Mariota to keep up what he did on Monday night to the Dallas Cowboys. Patriots are going to find a way to win. Brady may not have the best stats, but he's going to find a way to win. James White has 61 receptions on the year. Ridiculous. That's their best receiver right now, James White. Gronk, I, I think Gronk's going to be gone this, by this, this summer. Gronk is never on the field, ever. And did you know Gronk has a um, stand-up special? Who the hell paid money to go see Gronk tell them jokes? This is ridiculous. Like, who, who really will pay money to let Gronk tell them jokes? That better be a free show. I would never go sit, pay, mo- pay my hard-earned money to go watch Gronk tell me jokes. Ridiculous. Never. In, never in a lifetime. <sighs> the Jaguars will also be facing the Colts this week coming up. Uh, that's a pick game to me. Because I don't know wh- what Jaguars here I'm going to get. You don't know what Blake Bortles you're going to get. So you just don't know. I'm going to... Be- Hold on, hope. I'm going to say Blake Bortles takes this game. I'll say Blake Bortles takes this game, and he shows out. I'm going to stick with Blake Bortles. I'll take Blake Bortles in that game. Kansas City versus Cardinals. I'm going to take the Cardinals. Huh. Psych. Definitely. Yo, Kansas City is a 16.5-point favorite against the Cardinals. 16.5-point favorite against the Cardinals. This is an NFL team that they are 16.5-point favorite on. Ridiculous. <sighs> Of course, Kansas City's going to win that game, by the way. Uh, I hope you guys didn't actually think I was going to take the Cardinals. Kansas City's winning that game. The Bills versus Jets. The Jets better win. These seven-point favorites, the Jets better win that game. I swear to God. If the, I'm t- Like I said before, if the Jets lose to the Bills right after that game, Todd Bowles deserves to be fired. And if Sam Donald has a bad game, Sam Donald needs to be benched in that game. He needs to be benched ASAP. Because there's no reason why this man should be losing to no Buffalo Bills at all. My Jets better not lose to the Buffalo Bills. I'm picking them. And if they lose to the Buffalo Bills, I swear to God, I swear to God, Todd Bowles needs to be fired. I don't care. It could be a close game. It be- it shouldn't even be close. Buffalo Bills have scored under 100 points this year. Under 100 points. Every pe- This man, um, 
Patrick Mahomes has scored 100 points. He scores 100 points in two weeks. The Bills haven't scored 100 points this season yet. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. The Jets better not lose that game. Redskins versus Buccaneers. Redskins, I told you, have a whole bunch of injuries. This is the Buccaneers' chance to win a game. I know their defense sucks, but the Redskins have a lot of injuries. And the Buccaneers have an explosive offense. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers in this game. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I'm going to believe in Fitzmagic this week. And I think they're going to take this game. But this is the exact type of game that Fitzpatrick will play. And he'll throw like four interceptions. I think Clinton Dix is going to get two interceptions in this game. How Clinton Dix is going to show out. Because the Redskins defense is good. Despite what they did last week against the um, against the Falcons. Redskins defense is good. Also, the Chargers are going to face the Raiders. Another game. We already know who's going to win that game. Chargers are going to win that game. Chargers lose. No one should be losing the Oakland Raiders or the Buffalo Bills. Whenever they on your schedule, it's an automatic win. So, which everyone should have a win in their column already, just facing them two teams. Um, another team that's going to be playing this week: Dolphins versus the Packers. Packers should win that game. They better win that game. They want to keep Aaron Rodgers happy and Mike McCarthy his job. The Seahawks versus the Rams. I think that's going to be the closest game this week. The Seahawks and the Rams. Oh, man, I don't know who's going to win that game, though. I think just because the Rams' defense got embarrassed last week against the this past weekend against the Saints, I think they're going to show up this week, and they're going to, just, they're going to beat the Seahawks. I can see them being by, like, more than 10 points. The over-under is 10 points. So, the line is 10 points. So, I think they could beat the Seahawks by 10. Their first game was close, so you never know what happens. But that was also at the Seahawks. So, Rams being home, I think the Rams will take that game easily. The Cowboys, on Sunday night football, is going to be Cowboys versus the Eagles. Cowboys are losing. Like, I know it's a divisional game. The Cowboys do have a great defense. I think they still have a great defense. Even though they didn't show up last week and they convert, they let... The Tennessee Titans convert 11 to 14 third downs. The Cowboys still have a good defense. Jalen Smith, he plays good. Their line is really good. Demarcus Lawrence, Chaco Charlton, they, they have a lot of good players in that defense. It's just the weapons of the Eagles. So the Eagles have too many weapons. So I'm going Eagles in that game. Eagles going to get to 5 and 4. Cowboys going to be 3 and 6. And I'm telling you, <laughs> it's going to be over for this man. Um, If they don't show out and show up this year, it's going to be over for um, Scott Lenahan or what's his name? Or Jason Garrett. It has to be. And then on Monday night, as I already told you, it's going to be Giants versus 49ers. This is the worst. Like, they should flesh this game. No one wants to see this game at all. I think the Giants should win. Eli Manning, they already said that Eli Manning is going to start. I don't know why. They mu- it must mean that they really had no backup quarterback that come in and play. I really want to see Kyle Loretta. I want to see someone else behind this line. And I want to see how they fare. Because if it is the line, then we at least we'll know, like, all right, it's the line. But I understand it is kind of the line as well. But it's also, we just, the Giants just have a bad quarterback. And people just need to be real about that. I already said it before. He sucks. And I've been hearing this week, like, oh, people are saying that they don't know if Eli Manning is a Hall of Fame quarterback. I already told people that. Hey, first of all, did you know his full name is Elisha? Elisha? What the fuck is Elisha? I did not know his name was Elisha. Whatever you have, you say Elisha, Elisha. I don't know how you pronounce his full name, but I didn't know his full name was Elisha. I thought it was Elijah, not Elisha. Anyway, <laughs> um, 
Giants should win this game, but I already know they're gonna lose. I'm, I'm telling you right now that that quarterback for the for the 49ers, Nick Brennan, whatever his name is, that man's about to beat them. Mark my words, that man's about to beat the Giants, and the Giants about to go one and eight on the season, guaranteed. Guaranteed, they're about to go one and eight on the season. But that's just the Giants, and that's it for football. We're gonna see what happens on Monday Night Football with the Giants. We're gonna see what happens with the Panthers. And the Steelers, those are the games I want to watch. Going to see what happens with the Eagles and Cowboys. Those are the those are the big key matchups. And also, and also Saints. I'm not Saints. Also um, Seahawks and Rams. Those are the four games I'm looking out for. Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, Steelers, Thursday Night Football, and then also the Seahawks and Rams. Those are the games I'm looking out for. You guys, let me know what you want want to see this week. But we're gonna move on to more sports. My favorite sport, the NBA. Let's get to the NBA. Talk about the two New York teams. Start with the Knicks first. The Knicks, they're 3-8 and eight on the season. They had a rough week last week. Um, they started out, they had a blowout win against the Brooklyn Nets on Monday. It went 115-96. That was a good game for them. I thought it was a good get-back game since we lost to them earlier in the year. It was a close game, and we blew them out, so it made me feel good about the Knicks. But Brooklyn, we'll talk about them later. They play hard, though. Even though Brooklyn got blown out in that game, the Knicks do play hard, and Brooklyn plays hard as well, other than that game against my Knicks, of course. Then the Knicks went on to face the Indiana Pacers on Halloween. They lost to Indiana, but it was a close game. The Knicks were in that game for most of it. And then it was just too much Oladipo down the stretch. Oladipo came up with a big shot. He had another clutch shot later on in the week um, to win the game. I forgot what team he faced, but he had a clutch shot against them. And also, they have Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis, Zabrina Sabonis' son, coming off the bench. He came in, gave him 30 points. I think he was perfect on the field, like 15 to 15. And he only had 21 minutes coming off the bench, and he fouled out, but he still played big. And my Knicks played good in that game, too. You know Tim Hardaway Jr., he's been balling all year. He scored at least 20 points in almost every game, almost over 24 points every game. And then later on in the week, we finally got a, another win in the week against the Dallas Mavericks. It was a good road win. Was like, I think that was our first road win of the season. It's a good one. Um, Dallas is not a good team right now, but still, you got to beat up on other bad teams, and the Knicks did that. And they won that game along this year. What I saw from him, Alonzo, that he can be like a closer down the stretch. Because down the stretch, like the final like five or six minutes, Coach Fizio was just giving Alonzo the ball, let him dribble on the clock. And whoever was guarding him, whether it was Luka Doncic or the other guy, um, Dennis Smith Jr., they were guarding him. He was letting them take one-on-one trier against them. And they could not stop him. They could not guard him. He was just going right by him, lay up. Little pull up jumper, maybe even a three. He was going, he was doing his thing, and I was a proud of the year. I like what I saw from him, and I also like what I saw from Mitch Robinson. Mitch Robinson could be one of those good pieces that we have as well. Another draft pick from last year, Trier was an undrafted pick. Mitch Robinson, he was a second round pick for the Knicks. He did a great job. He held his own against DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, like, did, couldn't stop him. He was in the lane, gravity. He had a double double, I believe. He also had a nice little um, behind the back um, alley oop dunk. Nice one. I like that play from Mr. Drew Robinson. What I see from him, he could be he could be a DeAndre Jordan type, that rim runner, or Clem Capella is one of the best rim runners, rim running big men. Um, and he could he could shoot a little free throws better than Clint Capella. And he has a nice little like post game. He grab you rebounds, get a lot of putbacks. He could be the alley oop guy. 
and he plays defense. So he has really long arms. He could defend. He could get out to three-point shooters and defend the three-point line as well. So he closed out really well. I'm really happy with what I'm seeing from both those rookies, Trier and Mitch Robinson, along with the veterans like, you know, Ennis Cantor and um, the other guy, Tim Hardaway Jr. Great to see those guys playing well this year. But after that game against Dallas, a great world win. The Knicks did lose in next two games against the Washington Wizards. The Wizards and then also the Bulls. Let's just touch on the Wizards real quick. The Wizards, are they suck. They suck right now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on between um, John Wall, Bradley Beal, Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks is having the same problem he had in Oklahoma City. He just, he's not getting to the guys. The team is just not coming together. I don't think all the pieces fit. They probably going to have people trade, thinking about trading either John Wall or Bradley Beal away from the team. Me personally, I heard that John Wall has a 15% trade kicker. So if you trade him, you're going to have to pay that money up front. So it's going to be a lot. I don't know if they're going to be able to trade people away. They probably should have traded someone away before they gave John Wall that contract. The only one they could probably move is um, Bradley Beal. And then you all know, Otto Port is not living up to the $100 million contract. He ain't hitting them threes like he did before. They have a lot of pieces on that team that I think will be good. Like, I don't know, Dwight Howard, <laughs> it makes Dwight Howard look bad, but Dwight Howard played his first game of the season before he played the before the Wizards played the Knicks um, at home. The Knicks weren't at home, the Wizards were at home. Uh, Dwight Howard played his first game against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Dwight Howard was returning off an injury where he has, like, an injury to his butt. Like, he has, like, a nerve in his butt. If he sits down, it gives him pain throughout his whole body. So it's, like, nerve damage, which I think is funny because now he has a pain in the ass. And everyone thinks that Dwight Howard has been a pain in the ass since he left Orlando. Even his final year in Orlando, he was a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass in L.A., pain in the ass in Houston. And he's a pain in the ass in um. I don't think he's a paid ass in the Hornets. I thought him and Kemba Walker would be a good little tandem together, but they couldn't get the things. They couldn't get everything together. It was just basically them two. He had a great year for them, and I thought he going to Washington. He would have a great year for them as well. Like that first game, that first quarter against OKC, he did a good job. He was holding his own against um, against Stephen Adams, and I was really proud of how he was playing. He was he was actually like showing he could be a dominant player and do what they need him to do. But he was still struggling on defense. He wasn't like that rim protector. He was just letting Russell Westbrook get to the rim after the first quarter. And if you didn't see that game, the Wizards got destroyed by Oklahoma City in the first half. They they let Oklahoma City score 79 points. And that's what I really thought that the White Howard would be able to bring to that team. He could bring the rebounding and bring the, 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 the defense. That's all they really need him for. And then the occasional him and John Walker do the alley-oops. Dwight Howard could take over the game for a little bit. He ain't going to back you down with no post shot, no post game. But, you know, I was hoping Dwight Howard would be able to just provide that defense rebounding. And he wasn't really providing any defense against the Oklahoma City Thunder. And against the Knicks, they did win the game because they were like they batter against the wall. They just come off of an embarrassing loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder. They were going to fight hard. And the Knicks, they're not perceived to be a good team. They should beat the Knicks. But I thought as a the Knicks could withstand like the first quarter and just fight back. I thought they would be able to win that game, but Wizards, Wizards came out and they showed the play a full 48 minutes because the last game against Oklahoma City, they did not play a full 48 minutes, and that's why they lost. Now the Wizards are 2-7 and seven on the season. They got to turn their season around, but I don't see it happening. I thought this could be their year. I thought they could be a sleeper team in the East, but they're not really. They're not fucking with um, the Toronto Raptors. 
the Boston Celtics or the 76ers. Not even fucking with the Milwaukee Bucks. So I don't know what the Wizards are going to do. They're probably going to have to blow up the team. Scott Brooks is probably going to be his last year on the team. But let's move on to the other game that the Knicks had this past week. On Monday, yeah, on Monday they played the Chicago Bulls. They lost this past Monday. Um, They lost to the Chicago Bulls. It was a really good game between the two teams. Like I said, the Knicks, in every game the Knicks play, they're always fighting. They're always showing that they have some fight. They have some dog in them. They're going to always be in to the bitter end. And that's what they showed on Monday. Without their top player in Tim Hardaway Jr., he got hurt. He had a little back issue in that game against the Wizards. He couldn't finish that game, and he didn't really play that game against the Bulls. So Alon Trier took his spot in the starting lineup in Trier. He in his first start, he played good. He had 23 points. He led the Knicks on a comeback in the final minutes to get the, to tie the score up in the end of regulation. And then the Knicks they fought a hard battle against the Bulls. They went to double overtime. Zach Levine he won the game for the Bulls. He got fouled at the end of the game. Uh, went to the foul line and made his final two shots. He got fouled by Emmanuel Mudiay. I want to see what Emmanuel Mudiay does this year. Like I want to see if he can be like our. Like, I want to see if he could be a point guard of the future or be at least a backup for us. Like, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Mario Hazonia. I'm liking what I'm seeing from um, Damian Dotson. Of course, Tim Hardaway Jr. and his cancer. We have, like, what I'm seeing right now, we have pieces that we could possibly trade to get um, veteran guys. We have a lot of young guys. If we develop them, Damian Dotson, he could be a good rotation player for us. Um, Lionel Shear, I already said it. He could be a really good um, rotation player. Frank Nilakina, he's another one. Nilakina, recently his jumper, at the beginning of the season, his jumper looked like it was there, but now it's starting to fall off his three-point shot. I wish he would just, like, if you're not confident three-point shot, like, fake it. Like, step in. Take a dribble in. Step inside. Get get a little mid-range shot going. Or take it to the rim. Against, he's not really aggressive against tough defenses. He's more aggressive against, like, defenses that can't really guard or they're not really focusing on him. If he's out there without Tim Hardaway Jr., he ain't going to do nothing. But I like what I see from Trier. I like what I see from Damian Dotson. I like what I'm seeing from Mario Hulazonia. I'm liking what I'm seeing from um, Ennis Cantor and Mitchell Robinson. They have a bunch of young pieces. So around the league, people are going to see how the Knicks are playing. I think people are going to really want to come be a part of this team, especially because Coach Fisdale is really coaching these guys up. And they're showing improvements. So I can't wait to see what they are at the end of the year. And like I said, you know I'm going to go to a game in the Garden as soon as I get my money up. But anyway, let's go to the other team in New York, the Brooklyn Nets. They have a better record than the Knicks. They are 4-6 and six right now. They they did lose to the Knicks. Like I said, they lost to the Knicks last Monday, the previous Monday, the 29th. But this past week, they had some promising games after that. They beat the – they well, they lost to the Rockets. They did lose to the Rockets, but in that game they played hard. And the only reason why the Rockets won, they didn't have James Harden in the Rockets because he was still he was suffering from that hamstring injury. He's back now, but he was still suffering with that hamstring injury. But they finally had a great game from Carmelo Anthony, the Rockets. Carmelo Anthony came in on oh, I forgot what day, I think it was Sunday. Yeah, it was Sunday night because the same day that the the Knicks played the Washington Wizards. Sunday night, Carmelo had 28 points. He was six and nine from the field from the three point line. In 31 minutes off the bench, so that's the type of game Carmelo needs. I hope that will like springboard him to like keep giving those type of performances and like make him feel good coming off the bench. He could be a good six man. I've, his goal should be like I want to be six man of the year, even though Eric Gordon is a six man too. But I think Carmelo Anthony could be a good six man coming off the bench, providing scoring, and 
and Houston just hired back their defensive coordinator. You know, Houston has needs a defensive coordinator. Hopefully, he can help Carmelo out with his defense. Because I was watching that game, Melo, and your defense looked terrible. Your defense still looked horrendous. But you know that Houston's not known for that. Hopefully, they get that defensive coordinator back. And they'll be better on the defensive side of the ball. And it was good to see Carmelo Anthony really step up and show that he's still mellow. Because I've been worried about him. I've been thinking like he might be done. And I told him to go to the Blazers, but you want to. I understand you want to try to win that ring, so that's what you can do. And also, oh, speaking of the Rockets, let's go. Keep going into the Rockets. We'll get back to the Nets in a bit. But the Rockets, they did play the um, the Blazers earlier in the week before they played the the Nets. They were after that game. They went one and five. They their record fell to one and five. Since then, they've won three straight games, but. After that Blazers game, that blowout that happened to the Blazers, I know was without James Harden, but at the same time, people were still concerned. They lost to the Blazers 104 to 85. And like I said, they did their record did fall to one and five after that game. And since the Rockets, I feel like the Rockets having James Harden back is obviously gonna help them. They won three straight. They one of those were without James and the last two they won. And they're going to play the Oklahoma City Thunder on TNT this Thursday coming up. So we'll see how the Rockets look. And I don't think Russell West was going to be playing that game. He did injure his ankle. So they should fare better against them. <sighs> but after the Nets lost to the, Rock- lost to the Rockets, they did respond great. And they did destroy the 76ers on Monday. The 76ers, I don't know what's wrong with them. But they committed 28 turnovers in that game against the Nets. Like, I know the Nets are good. Like, my opinion, I think... I'll get to them. Hold on. I know the Nets are good. But the Philadelphia 76ers deserve, needs to be playing better than that. I know Markel, folks, he's still looking a little shaky. I don't know what's wrong with him. I mean, he needs to get it together. I think he knows that he was part of the biggest heist in, in the world. <laughs> After what the Boston Celtics did to the 76ers by tri- tricking them. I, kn- I think the Boston Celtics knew they were going to pick... Um, Jason Tatum the whole time. They just got an extra pick out of the Philadelphia 76ers just to, so they could take Markel Folks. They were never going to take no damn Markel Folks. They knew something was up. So, Philly, they just need to get it together. The way they're playing right now, in my opinion, Philly, they not they have no chance of beating Toronto. And I don't th- they have zero chance of beating um the Boston Celtics. Those are the two. That's the class of these. They're not even in that tier right now, to me, the 76ers. They're not in the tier of the Boston Celtics and the Toronto Raptors. They they still in that tier with the Bucks and it's the Bucks and them in that second tier in the Eastern Conference. And after that, it's wide open in the East. But it's Toronto and Boston in the class of their own, and then everyone not everyone else. Then the Milwaukee Bucks and the Seventy Sixers. Because after that, there's really nothing else to talk about. Seventy Sixers are not playing up to par. They still haven't won a road game yet. They need to get this. They need to get this stuff together ASAP. Because if they don't, they just gonna have another disappointing season. I have, and I really haven't seen any 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 improvement from the team from last year. Like it's, I feel like they're still playing, making stupid mistakes. They're doing way too much. Twenty eight turnovers against the Nets is ridiculous, and to get blown out one twenty two to ninety seven by the Brooklyn Nets. Come on, man. Come on. I know the Nets are good. The Nets are a team that will fight you to the bitter end. And one thing I have seen about the Nets, and I like, I think it's interesting. I think the Nets and the Portland Trailblazers are basically the same team. The only difference is that Portland has Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. 
Because they got the same type of players on the team, like cast-offs that no one really wants in the league. Like, they have a bunch of people. Um, Karius Levert, he's a good player. They have um, Spencer Dimwitty. They have Joe Harris hitting threes. They have a bunch of, like, like pieces that, that have been on other teams that people were like, all right, they've been cast-offs. But Kenny Atkinson's coached them up. And he and he does a good job with them. And same thing with Portland Trailblazers. Trailblazers are seventy three seven and three right now. They playing really good. Granted, they've been beating teams like the Pacers, the Rockets. The Rockets didn't have James Harden. The Pelicans. Pelicans didn't have Anthony Davis. They beat the Timberwolves. Timberwolves didn't have Jimmy Butler. But they still beating these teams, even though they, they didn't have their best players on the team. They still beating them. And that's all that matters. Just to get your record. Especially in the Western Conference, you need to get every win you possibly can. Because the West is ridiculous right now. So, I like what I'm seeing from the Portland Trailblazers. And they were 4-1 this week. But they did lose this week to the Lakers. The Lakers... We'll get to Lakers later. But one thing I did see from the Portland Trailblazers this week when they played the Pelicans... Julius Randle's a monster, man. Julius Randle is a monster. Like, I know the Pelicans aren't playing well that right now. They started the year going 4-0. And since they've lost the last six games, most of them were without Anthony Davis because he's dealing with a little elbow issue. But what I've noticed is that Anthony Davis can't really complain because he has pieces around him. If he plays at an MVP level, he said he wants to be MVP this year. So if he plays at that MVP level... Julius Randle's playing like sixth man of the year right now. In that game against Portland, he had 23 points, 7 of 9 from the field in the first half. Like, Julius Randle is playing like a like a man possessed. And I'm still trying to figure out why the Lakers let him go. I will let anyone else go. I will let Kuzma go. Because I think Julius Randle's playing better than most of them. But he could have been really used in the Lakers offense. But like I said, the Pelicans, they're starting to fall off a little bit right now. They have to get things back together. And Anthony Davis, he's hurt right now. And he said that he has, he feels like he has to pay perfect for the team to win. Uh, duh, nigga. Of course you have to pay perfect. Not perfect, but you have to play like an MVP. If you're playing like an MVP, Julius Randle's playing like, been playing this year, six-man of the year candidate. And then you have um, Drew Holiday. You have Nikola Mirotic. You have the pieces to get the job done. It's just up to the Anthony Davis. Is he going to keep playing at that MVP level? So I know it's pressure. But he has to do what he has to do. And going back to the other team that the Portland Trailblazers lost to, I told you. The only team they lost to this week was the Lakers. Lord have mercy, the Lakers. I don't know. First off, the Portland Trailblazers, they barely lost that game to the Lakers. Damien, CJ, they had to be like what they normally do. Like what we've seen from them in the past. They had to carry the team by themselves. They both scored 30. But the team still lost. And they only lost by four points, even though the team shot terrible from three-point line. I think they only had like six of 30 from the three-point line. And they got no help from anyone else on the team. But that's not how the team's been playing this year. The team's been playing very good this year. And I think you have to give a shout-out to Coach Stotts. Terry Stotts, I think he's an underrated coach. And if the team continues playing like this, I think he deserves a little more credit. Because the way he's getting that bench to play, like, the thing that people always been complaining about is, like, it's only Dame and CJ. Like, they got no help. They have no bench. And looking at the numbers, um, the bench scoring has improved this year. 2016-2017 season, their bench scoring was ranked 27th in the league at 30.6 points per game. Last year's team, they were ranked 28th in the league. They got worse. And they were 27.7 points per game from the bench. This year, they're fifth in the league right now, and 
They're they're scoring forty two point they scoring forty two point one points per game from the bench. So right now, players like Nick Stauskas, Evan Turner is playing. Evan Turner is starting to look like the Evan Turner I saw in Ohio State, the one I thought I was going to see when he came into the league and he started out with Philly. He started finally started coming to his own right now on the Terry Stotts. I don't know what he gets from these people. I don't know where he finds these people Terry Stotts, but they always seem to like get their A game going under him. So, like I said, players like Nick Stauskas. Seth Curry, um, what's this guy's name? Evan Turner. They also have um, Alfred Camino. He's playing good. Like, there's a lot of players on that team that are playing. They're playing great basketball. It's just, are they going to be able to sustain it and be able to have that and depend on it in the playoffs? That's what all we need from Portland. Portland needs to know. Damon CJ needs to know they're going to have rough riders with them. Nick Stouses needs to show up. Um, uh, Jokic. Yusef Nurchik need to get his stuff together and be consistent in the playoffs because they need a third option. And if he can't provide it, they're going to have problems. And then he's going to leave, get out in the first round again. So for Portland to make any noise this year, that bench scoring needs to stay and right where it is at 42, even high, or maybe even better. So we'll see how Portland does. The Lakers, let's get into them. They needed that win against the Portland Trailblazers because you know what's the about to lose his job. They beat the Lakers and they beat they beat the Lakers. They beat the Trailblazers and the Mavericks last week. But Maddox still upset with Luke because he thinks they're having a slow start. Right now they're four and six. On Wednesday night, they're gonna be facing the Minnesota Timberwolves. So we'll see how they fare against them. Cause the defense is terrible right now. It's horrendous. I think that's the biggest issue, and that's the, probably the reason why they went out and went and signed Tyson Chandler. But Tyson Chandler is not the same Tyson Chandler. He's not the New York Knicks Tyson Chandler. He's not the Dallas Mavericks Tyson Chandler. He's the Suns Tyson Chandler. So you don't know what you're going to get from him. He's never been a real shot blocker like Jarrell McGee's being right now. Jarrell McGee's getting cheap blocks, but it's neither here nor there. He's still leading the league in blocks, and that's not what Tyson Chandler does. He's more of a defensive anger. Like, he'll, like he's just a great defender. Like, I don't know if he's still a great defender, but he was a great defender that was able to change shots and made it difficult for people to come into the lane. So we'll see what Tyson Chandler is able to do. But especially after what I saw from the Lakers against the Raptors, I didn't see the person, but highlights I've seen, the Lakers have a lot of trouble right now because – they were down 42 to 17 to the Raptors, and they didn't have Kawhi Leonard in the first quarter. Like, it, the Lakers gonna Lakers need a lot of help. They need a lot of help on the Lakers team. Kawhi Leonard did not play, like I just said, and also in that game, Ibaka, Serge. I don't know where the what the is going going on with Serge Ibaka. Round of applause. Like we need a round of applause. Round of applause for Serge Ibaka. Round of applause. Keep going. Come on, just keep clapping. Just keep clapping for Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka is playing amazing right now. In that game against the Lakers, he had career-high 34 points, and he was 15-17 from the field. 15-17? That is zero defense played by the Lakers. And Kawhi Leonard didn't play like I just said. The, Ra- the I'm telling you right now, the Raptors are the best team in the East. I know everyone's saying Boston. I know everyone's happy about Milwaukee. Milwaukee's not on the level of, of this team. They're not on the level. It is not on level, in my opinion. To me, Milwaukee is more built for the regular season. Like, uh, Mike Budenholzer's team in Atlanta, that one that well, I was in first place, and they won like 60 games in the East. But when they saw when they ran up in the playoffs, they got against a good team. They fold like cheap tents. 
That's what's gonna happen to the Bucks in the in the playoffs. I think they're gonna run through this the the regular season. They're probably gonna have one of the top records in the East. Not with not with the Raptors though, but I think the Raptors are gonna be number one. Then Bucks might be two, but I don't think they're gonna be able to sustain it for the for in the playoffs. I don't think how they're playing is gonna translate to the playoff time. So we'll see what they're able to do. But going back to the Raptors, Kyle Lowry this year, he don't seem to miss um. DeMar DeRozan too much. Right now, he's averaging almost eight. He's averaging damn near 18 points a game and 11 and a half assists per game. He was he wasn't playing like this when um DeMar DeRozan was here. And I think having Kawhi really changed that team. Another person, Danny Green, that championship mentality, like that's gonna change life in Toronto. It's gonna be different in Toronto. I think they can make it to the finals. I think that is by far the team to beat. And Boston. They get going back to the Bucks. Boston's the one that gave the Bucks their first loss of the season. They haven't been playing the greatest team, so we'll see what happens with um the Bucks. And I believe they just lost to the the Portland Trailblazers too. So they go against good teams. They're not winning. They beating all the bad teams. So we'll see what happens with the Bucks. I already know I'm gonna get from the Toronto Raptors if everyone stays healthy. Kawhi and Serge Ibaka keeps playing the same way. Um, Siakam. If he keeps playing like that, Valanchunas, they have pieces on that team. So you're going to have to watch out for the Toronto Raptors. And also, you're going to have to watch out for Boston. And I already told you, setting sisters, they're not in that league yet. Just not in the league. And going back to the Lakers, I don't know about Luke Walton's future. I think he's going to get fired, to be honest with you. He's not staying on that team any longer. They want to get rid of him, and you can just tell. <laughs> they want to, like... Magic Johnson clearly doesn't want Luke Walton on the team anymore. Because if you really look at the team, how is Luke Walton? What what is Luke Walton supposed to do? Like, what is he gonna do? LeBron's gonna continue playing the way he wants to play. My biggest fear about having LeBron on that team, I think, it's gonna stunt the growth of the other players on the young guys on the team because LeBron wants the ball in his hand. Kuzma wants the ball in his hand. He feels like he could bring the ball up and create offense. Brandon Ingram, he plays his best when he's bringing the ball up, being that playmaker, creating offense. Lonzo Ball, the same thing. Lonzo Ball could play more off the ball because he can, like, he knows how to play well off the ball and come off screens and go for alleys and stuff like that. He's but he can do that. Josh Hart, but I feel like LeBron is gonna want to regulate them to like, all right, just stay on the corner. I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to break the offense down and kick you out to you, and you gotta hit the three. Like, that's not really using their talent. And that's what happened in Cleveland. Like, And then LeBron's going to complain because he's going to say, oh, I need more playmakers. You can't say you want more playmakers than dominate the ball. LeBron has to do a better job of playing off the ball, learning how to be still effective without having to run the offense and dominate the ball as much as he's done in previous stops. He can't do that. He needs to learn how to play off the ball to teach the other guys, oh, this is how you play off the ball. If LeBron shows that side of his game, like, oh, I'm going to learn how to be just as effective off the ball as I am on the ball, then the Lakers season will change. Luke, he has too many people he has to please. All those veterans, all those young guys, he has too many people he has to please. I don't think it's all on him, but he's going to take the fall for it. And speaking of LeBron, let's go to one of his old former teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Lord, 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 Lord. I don't know what to say about Cleveland Cavaliers, man. Larry Jew was complaining about getting his contract restructured. That happened for him. He got his new contract. He didn't want to be. He wanted to get more money since he was gonna have to take that interim role. And since he's gonna get all them losses on his record, he wanted to get some more money for the as a consolation prize. 
Then they also have a former assistant suing them for AIDS discrimination. Then Kevin Love has uh, is getting foot surgeries. He's going to be out for a while. J.R. Smith saying that he wants to be out because they're not playing him and the team sucks. Understandably so. And then there's reports that veterans don't think Colin Seston can play. Oh, Lord have mercy. The I don't know what. The, the Cavaliers are trying to do? Are they trying to prove that they can win without LeBron or are they just trying to build for the future? Because if you're trying to build for the future, Con Seston is going to have to play and he probably doesn't know how to play like championship basketball because he's a rookie. You can't expect him to know how to play. George Hill will probably be your best bet if you're looking to make it to the playoffs. So obviously play George Hill more. But for the veterans to be coming out and talking crap about their rookie, that's not going to be good for the locker room. And like how can how can Collins feel comfortable in that kind of situation, and how can he grow in that kind of situation? Is what I want to see from the Cavaliers is just they need to have a clear plan. Are they trying to play for the future? Are they trying to tank? Please don't tank too much because I want my Knicks to get that nigga Zion. I don't know if y'all seen that man Zion Williamson play, but the man is amazing. He is amazing. <laughs> he, he he looks like the truth, man. He sits, he sits 7, 285, and he could jump out the window. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. I don't know what they're going to do. But the Cavaliers are a dumpster fire. It's over. Like, And, I, and I'm and i glad. I want to give another round of applause. Another round of applause. Just round of applause. That needs to clap for at least five minutes. Let's, let's just give a clap for this clap. Clap for the league and the charity that they show the, Cleveland, the city of Cleveland and the Cavaliers. In 2022... The Cavaliers will be hosting the All-Star Game. I don't know who the hell is going to want to go there for an All-Star Game. It's going to be the most boring All-Star Game. You know there's no more money going to be flooded, flooding the streets. They even said it when LeBron came back. Like, oh, like all the money that's downtown, the restaurants, they were making all their money back now. 2022 is another like four years, three years. I don't know. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a difficult three years. It's going to be a destitute land in Cleveland. It's going to be destitute in Cleveland. I don't know what they're going to do. I really don't. I really, really don't. But they got the All-Star game, so thank God for them. They're going to get there. Hopefully, they get back on track. Colin Sesson, I think he's on three years from now, I think people are going to regret, especially them veterans, talking shit about him. So hopefully, he gets his stuff together. So another team that was a little, a little in turmoil, a little stressed out. My Oklahoma City Thunder. They finally hit in their stride. They started out 0-4. Now they're on a five-game winning streak. They're supposed to play the um they're supposed to play the Rockets on Thursday night. They have a game on Wednesday as well. Russell West was not gonna be in that game because he got hurt in their last game against the Pelicans. He had a terrible injury. Oh, I've broken my I've fractured my ankle. He thank God he didn't fracture his, but he sprained his ankle. Whew. I know the pain. I play ball, so I know the pain of landing on someone's foot. Russ, he went up for a rebound, and he landed on AD's foot, Anthony Davis's foot. So I know that pain. And his ankle, like, when he rolled it, his, like, ankle bone touched the floor. So you know that joint hurt. And I felt the pain in my ankle after that. And, oh, by the way, Colin Coward, there must be – Russell Westbrook must have did something to Colin Coward because the way this man goes in on Russ for no reason – he was blaming Russ for the injury. Like, why is Russ down there getting rebounds? He's always cheating to get rebounds. First off, sometimes I get it. Maybe Russ does pad his stats a little bit. 
by always getting the rebound, but it works for their offense. Like him push him getting a rebound and pushing the ball. Who the hell thinks that Steven Adams is pushing the ball after he grabs the run? That never happens. To have a little ass guard grab a rebound and then the way Russ is getting ahead of steam, get it towards the basket, pushing the ball, that's the reason why he does it. I don't think he's doing it to pad his stats. I think he does it to incite a fast break. He's a one-man fast break. Either y'all going to run with him or not. Because if he's down there grabbing rebounds, he's going to push the ball and push the pace, and he's going to attack the basket. He's a one-man fast break. That's why he does it. Colin Coward saying he's saying he does it because he's trying to pad his stats. Maybe sometimes he passes stats, but most of the time, every time he grabs that rebound and he's in that paint, he's doing it to push the ball and push the pace and do a fast break, basically, and be attack the rim. He's not doing it in a selfish way. He's doing it because he feels like that's what's best for the team. So, I, stop, Colin Coward, I don't know what your issue with is with Russell Westbrook, but you need to stop it. Everyone knows that Russ is not doing that. Just to pad his stats. Russ is doing it for a strategic advantage because having your guard get a rebound and, and have the ability to push the ball is what anyone would want. Just like if LeBron was grabbing rebounds, he pushes the ball up the up the court. Say with Lonzo Ball, he grabs rebounds and pushes the ball up the court. Instead of having to like a big man grab it, look for the look for the um guard, and then you're wasting all this time. The defense is getting back, and he's they're able to set up their defense. And now you can now you don't have a fast break opportunity. He does it to catch the defense off guard. So stop saying that. But going back to Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm mad about the Thunder because they were just catching their stride. Now Russ is going to be down for a little bit. That looked like a bad injury. He's going to be out for a little while. And Paul George, he revealed last week that he's also dealing with a little injury from his foot, his leg surgery for when he broke his leg. Um, he said he's dealing with like some nerve damage that's causing him to have a dead foot. So he's kind of like he can't even feel his foot when he's playing out there on the court. So he's still trying to deal with that. Hopefully. Raymond Felton can sure up that bench, and then Dennis Schroeder coming to the starting line. Hopefully, he can he will continue where Russ Westbrook left off. Obviously, he's no Russ, but at least hopefully he can stay afloat and not get in too much of a hole while Russ is going to be out. Um, another player that I'm really liking for the Oklahoma State Thunder is Jeremy Grant. I think he's going to be. I think if he could right now, what I'm seeing from him, he he's a great. He has great energy. He's athletic. He's long. He could defend, and. He, he can switch on multiple defenders, which I like. His athleticism is crazy. And he's also getting that three-point shot. If he could get that shot to be more consistent, along with um, Terrence Ferguson. Ferguson needs to get that three-point shot going as well and get it to be more consistent. I saw it a little bit against the Wizards. That they, both of them were getting the three-point shot going. And the pick and roll with Russ and Jeremy Grant is crazy. And when Nerlens, him and Nerlens are well coming in, I love Steven Adams, but him... And Nerlens well gives him the ability to just be able to just have athleticism all over the court and be able to switch everything and guard everything. I like having, I love with Steven Adams, don't get me wrong, but having Jeremy Grant and Nerlens Noel, watch out for that lineup. That lineup is, could be a good lineup for the for the Thunder. And Jeremy Grant could be an S-factor. If he can get more, get that consistency up and have his G-point shot going, he can be a real, a real, real S-factor for that team. But going back to Russ for a little bit, he did have a little run-in earlier in the week with Patrick Beverly again. The not the Rockets, the Thunder, they had a comeback victory over the um, the Clippers. They won 128 to 110. The OKC.
They were down in the third quarter and they had a 20 0 run to make their comeback. But later on in the game, Russ and Patrick got into it. Russ like had a loose ball and Patrick dove for the ball and he kind of dove into his legs. I would have been upset too if I was Russ, especially after coming off all those surgeries that he had. He's definitely going to be upset about that. So I thought Patrick Beverly did a little too much with that. And one thing I didn't like though, when they were having a little back and forth, the cops came onto the court. Why are they having cops? coming to the court for an NBA fight. Like, I've never seen that before. And it was between the players. It wasn't like they were going in the stands. They brought, like, police officers with, like, guns and badges onto the court to separate the two teams. I was like, I understand the Lakers and the Rockets got into a little fight, but that's bad optics to have cops coming onto the court to separate basketball players. Like, it's never that serious. It wasn't that serious. It wasn't. They're both just two competitive guys. I guarantee you if Patrick Beverly and Russ were on the same team, there will be no tip for tat. They just competitive guys that be going at it sometimes. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. And in my opinion, I don't like seeing the cops on the court. And that whole little beef between Russ and Bev, I love it. This is old school NBA. Two guys that don't like each other. Not supposed to be smiling and hugging each other anyway. I like what I'm seeing from the, the Clippers and Patrick Beverly and Russ. But moving on to some other basketball news. Derrick Rose, he had his career high last Wednesday. He scored a career high 50 points against the Jazz as the Minnesota Timberwolves won that game. They were without Jimmy Butler in that game. So it was good to see D. Rose. He was crying when he left the court. He's been through a lot. It was good to see D. Rose have that little moment in the league again because I think D. Rose, he's coming back. In my opinion, he's, he's getting back to where he used to be. He's obviously not dunking. That's one thing I did notice. He's not dunking anymore. But he's definitely getting back to what he used to be. And I'm proud of D-Rose. And I hope he continues to like get. Not, he's probably never going to be that MVP again. But if he could be a six-man of the year candidate, well, hey, like, still. Not too many people have won the MVP and six-man of the year. So, let's go get that, D-Rose. Let's go get that. But the Jazz, they're pulling it that day. I don't know what's going on with the Jazz. But they got off to a very slow start. They're now four and six. And they're probably one of the toughest divisions in the league in the NBA right now. The Northwest Division, they got the Denver Nuggets who are balling right now. Jamal Murray just scored 48 points against the Celtics. You know, Kyrie Irving got mad and threw that ball up in the stands, which I would be mad too. But at the same time, it's 50 points, Kyrie. You, if you were going to get 50, you would have shot that ball too. But they got Denver in that division. They got Portland in the division. Portland 7-3. and three. They got OKC in that division and also Minnesota. So the Jazz got to get this shit going, man. The Jazz is going to have a problem if they don't get their stuff going because Donovan Mitchell hasn't looked the same. They're losing games at home. Like, they got to get their stuff together. And the Jazz, I don't know. It's going to be a tough season for them. They don't start getting back to what they normally do. But let's go on to baseball right now. So in baseball, the season's over. We already know that. So it's all season time. Time for some free agent trades. And uh, free agent trades, some free agency, and also some trades that might be going down. One thing that did happen last week, Clayton Kershaw, he got a three-year extension. I don't know why. Dow just paid him three years, $93 million in that extension. And he wants to, and he says he wants to prove his critics wrong. Nigga. Oh, my God. Negro, please. Okay. Negro, please. <laughs> Let's just put that. Negro, please. You're not proving none of us wrong. You're not. Well, I'm kind of glad Dodd decided him because I didn't want my Nick, my my Knicks, my Yankees to be signing this man because we all know if he can't get it done in L.A., he's definitely not going to play well in New York under those bright lights and in pinstripes. So I wish him the best. I hope he 
proves people wrong because I think he is a great pitcher. I don't know. He has that Alex Rodriguez syndrome where he gets in the playoffs and he just his backside gets tight. He can't do pause, but he can't do he can't do whatever he he can't do what he does in regular season. And his fastball is not his his velocity on his fastball has gone down. So I hope he proves people wrong, but I don't see it happening. And I think it's kind of I think it's a mistake that the Dodgers gave him a three-year, $93 million extension. You should have just let him keep, because he already had two more extra years on the contract, so you gave him an extra year, almost like an extra $30 million. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. But let's look at my Yankees. This is all I really care about. You know, I'm not into baseball like that. But my Yankees, these are the people I want my Yankees to get this offseason. Yankees, Manny Machado. I know a lot of people, Manny Machado and also um, Bryce Harper. I really don't want Bryce Harper. We have enough outfielders who only hit um, home runs. We have enough of those. Don't want any more of that. I'm happy with Giancarlo. I'm happy with um, Aaron Judge. I'm happy. If you could bring McCutcheon back, I'll be happy with that. You got Aaron Hicks. You got Clint Frazier. You got um, Brett Gardner. We don't need any more of them outfielders. We're good on outfielders. Manny Machado, though. I wouldn't be mad if my Knicks got my Knicks, my Yankees got Manny Machado because my Manny Machado, like right now, Didi's hurt. You don't know when he's going to be coming back this season, if he's going to be able to come back at all after having that Tommy John surgery. So you don't know if he's going to be able to come back this year. Manny Machado coming. He could play third. He could play shortstop. Well, third is Andujar. People saying they might want to get rid of Andujar. That's one of the best hitters on the team. He hit 299 on the year, and he actually, and he actually hit other things besides home runs. So I know his defense is a little shaky, but I would still want to keep Andujar. I don't want to get rid of him. Keep Andujar. Manny Machado, you come and play shortstop. You got Gleyber Torres over at second. First base is another problem that we have, but I'll get to that later. But right now, Manny Machado, I say bring in Manny Machado if you don't think Didi is going to be bad this year healthy. That's what I say. But our priority definitely needs to be pitching. So I got a couple pitches that I think the Yankees definitely need to go after that are free agents. 29-year-old left-hander Patrick Corbin, he plays good. He's been on the Diamondbacks. He says he wants to play for the New York Yankees. If he does, that's the only thing I have with all these people. Like, I know these people may have played good on their respective teams that they're coming from, but it's just can they pitch in pinstripes? We saw what happened to Sonny Gray. I definitely don't want to trade any more of my of the prospects that we have in the Yankee system to get any more pitches that we are not sure that they can pitch in New York. It's different. It's different between pitching in Minnesota and then pitching in New York. We saw with AJ Brandt. He was a good pitcher with the Blue Jays before he got to the Yankees. He, then he struggled a little bit with the Yankees. He had his moments, but he still struggled as a Yankee. And then when he left and went to the Pirates, he started being good again. So, my opinion. We just got to be sure. This guy, Patrick Corbin, says he wants to pitch for the Yankees because he always wanted to. He grew up in upstate New York. Hopefully, he can show out and he can show that he, he's able to pitch in New York. But that's my only problem. I just hope that the play, they have to do their due diligence and really make sure that these players are able to actually pitch in New York. So, Patrick Corbin is one of them. He played for the Diamondbacks. Dallas Keuchel, you know he's from the Astros. That will, that will weaken the Astros um, rotation and make our rotation better. So he's another left hand. He's 31 years old. I will bring him in. Dallas Keuchel, um, 36 year old J A Happ. I wouldn't mind bringing him back. He pitched great for us last year. I think he's a great pitcher. But what's scaring me about one of our pitchers is Luis Arrieta. I see what he does in the regular season. He's starting to look like um, he's starting to look like um, Clayton Kershaw. He's a good regular season pitcher, but in the playoffs. 
he his backside gets tight and he chokes. So I'm really hoping that Severino gets that corrected. But Patrick Corbin, Dallas Keiko, Jay Happ, I hope those are the pitches I really want to see us bring in, starting pitches I want to see us bring in. We also need to make a concerted effort to bring back David Robinson. Also, Zach Britton, we need to bring him back. We already bought back CC for a good price. I, I wanted those to bring him back CC if it was going to be at the right price. Nothing ridiculous like 15 mil. We got him for 8 mil. The, uh, I would prefer like 5 mil, 6 mil, but you gave Brett Gardner 9 million. So now you definitely got to get this nigga at least 8. So 8 million for CC. I'm not mad at that. Not Didn't break the bank. But definitely got to bring back David Robinson and Zach Britton to strengthen up our bullpen again. And then if this is just a luxury pickup, and if no one else, if you and if you lose either Dave Robinson or Zach Britton, I would bring in Andrew Miller. He could be that long relief guy. He could give you three, two, three innings out the bullpen. So especially in the playoff time, that's going to be very needed. I'll be much needed for the Yankees. So I will bring back Andrew Miller. Those are three bullpen guys: Dave Robinson, Andrew Miller, and Zach Britton that we need to bring back in. And another player that can help us with third and first base. And is just a good hitter, Daniel Murphy. I wouldn't mind bringing him into the Yankees. He's a Mets product, so you know it would make the Mets mad to see him playing for my Yankees. <laughs> Especially doing good and being a contributor. I know we have, I really want him to play first base. I know we got Luke Voigt and we got Greg Bird. But to be honest, we don't know what the hell we're going to get from Greg Bird. Like, he's looked like garbage so far. And Luke Voigt, I don't know if he can do it for a full 162 games, so... I don't know if he could do it for a full season. So I wouldn't mind bringing Danny Murphy in just to push him. And Danny Murphy is just a good hitter. So I wouldn't mind bringing him in. And he could play, since he plays multiple positions, you, like whenever you want to give Andujar a rest, you want to give Luke Voigt a rest, or if you want him to start and you want to just move pieces around, Danny Murphy is a good play to have. And he's just a great hitter. Like he's not just a home runner. He's just a great hitter. That's it. But it's time for Speak On It. Speak On It is just... My thing where I just talk about little topics that are in the news right now that I just want to speak on. So let's get started. The new Nickelodeon chief wants to bring back the TV show All That. I don't know if you guys know this. You better know this. I am a, I'm, I'm from that era where I love all that and everything that was on Nickelodeon like Keenan and Kel. Who loves orange soda? If you don't know that, you're just too goddamn young. But who loves orange soda? Keenan and Kel. I'm from the era of um, the Amanda show. Cousin Skeeter, I remember all these, Cousin Skeeter is a weird name to have for a TV show if you think about it now. Cousin Skeeter was, <laughs> if you really think about it, Cousin Skeeter was a good show. A lot, bunch of shows that were on Nickelodeon, but all that was one of my favorite shows because it was like a, it was like a kid sketch comedy show. Like a lot of people started on that. Kenan Thompson, who went on to be on, um, went on to be on SNL, like an adult version of, SNL is based on an adult version of um, all that. But all that would be a great show to bring back. Um, with Laurie McBeth, all of them, all of them, all that. I'll bring back good memories, good, good memories of that show. So if the Nickelodeon Chiefs is going to do that, I will definitely be tuning in. I'm too old to be watching it, but I'm definitely going to tune in just for nostalgic reasons. I still watch Hey Arnold, <laughs> Rocket Power. I still watch that sometimes. Uh, what else? A bunch of, bunch of my old shows I still watch just to get like that nostalgic feel. feel. Some things I did, one thing I didn't watch. I will never probably watch because I, I just have to be like the ultimate contrarian. I've never seen Color Purple. I know black people, oh my God, you've never seen Color Purple? No, I don't, I've never seen Color Purple. I, no, I don't, never want to see it because everyone always quotes it and everyone knows about it. And I was like, 
I don't want to be the typical black person that's seen <laughs> that seen Color Purple and that can quote that movie, even though I can quote the movie because of everyone I've ever encountered knows that movie and has seen it. But like I said, I have to be a contrarian. I don't want to be like everyone else. I didn't see Color Purple. But the Color Purple is going to have a musical. Well, the musical is, is in the works. They're going to make one, um, which is pretty good. I just have to be contrarian. To me, everyone has seen it. So why does why do I have to watch it too? Like everyone's seen it. I don't want to look at it. Just the same thing like when um when people say bae or baby, like I don't want to call my my significant other bae or baby because everyone is called bae or baby. Like what is the significance in that? Like if everyone's being called the same thing, why the hell is how is that special? If every every guy you ever dated you call them bae or babe. How is it special to me that you're calling me bae and babe? It's not special. So I have to be contrarian. I don't want to be called. I just have to do things differently. I don't want to hear bae or babe. You know who really ru ruined bae or baby? Saying that to somebody? The show Martin. Oh, my goodness. Martin saying calling um, Gina baby or vice versa was so annoying. And just honestly, I just don't like. It's just not special. Think of your own pet names, people. That's just my little rant for the day. My little rant. Also, this past week, um, Dio Hugo, he was on the um, Breakfast Club with Charlemagne and Envy and DJ Envy. I said DJ Envy. Charlemagne, Envy, and Angela Yee. He was on the Breakfast Club with them. That was a really good interview. He was talking about the election. He was talking about the state of everything that's going on right now in the world. Making his little, making his jokes. You guys should go check that out. It was a good, it was a good little interview. Um, he also talked about um, the original Kings of Comedy, how there was supposed to be a second one. A second tour. I don't know if you guys saw the first one, but that was the funniest comedy stand-up thing I've ever seen. In my that was probably one of the funniest ones I've seen. Only not the whole thing, but Bernie Mac's um little stand-up part. Best. That was probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I still love it to this day. But one thing he did say was that it got held up because of a little beef between Bernie Mac and Steve Harvey, and he basically said it was because how Bernie didn't feel like. People really accepted him for his comedy, and he was really, he probably was mad because Steve Harvey, like, he was getting accepted, and he probably felt like, I'm funny than Steve Harvey, but the only reason why he's getting opportunities is because Steve Harvey's probably, like, is, is a fairer skin than Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac was dark skin, so he probably felt like he wasn't getting a fair shake at it, and he probably deserved, he deserved it more than, um, more than Steve Harvey did. Hopefully, like, they were going to have the second one, but their little beef kind of stopped that, but. I'm kind of bad. Because Bernie Mac was funny. His show was hilarious, too. The Bernie Mac show was hilarious. But people really didn't appreciate that show. I still watch it today. If it's, it's still on... um, I used to watch it on Netflix. And I still watch it on um, when it comes on like uh, TV1. Like I said, TV1 really needs to start get their, um, get their HD game going. Because I'm sick of watching stuff on Standard Definition. Why? You pay all this money for cable. And these channels can't be on, on HD. All that money for cable, and they're not even on HD. They're on regular definition. It's a waste of money. Waste. A waste. <laughs> but anyway, moving on, moving on to more serious matters. I hope everyone went out and voted on Tuesday. I hope everybody went out and voted on Tuesday. I'll admit, I didn't get a chance to go out and vote on Tuesday, which is a bad thing. I should have voted, but I really do feel like it's probably a stupid thing to say. But I do feel like in New York... There's really no need to worry about people in New York. I know the people in New York think, think the right way, and they know you need to get 
the Republicans out of office because if you want health care to be right, if you want some of these issues that we're having to be, just be over and get the control out of the Republicans' hands, New York usually votes the right way and votes Democrats. So my vote here really wasn't going to matter. But everywhere else, I hope everywhere else in the country where it was a fight, there was a battle, I hope there was a great turnout. I did see some of the coverage on the election. I know that Andrew Gillum lost in um, Florida, which is kind of sad because he did fight hard. And I know people like um, Charlamagne the God was really pushing for him and stuff like that. But it was a close race. Tetris had another close race for the Senate um, between NATO, NATO and Ted Cruz. It was That was a really close race. The governor race in, with Stacey Adams and... I said Stacey. I think it was Stacey Abrams. Stacey Adams of shoes. Stacey Abrams, the governor race in Georgia. That was that came closer. But it was a little disappointment that they lost. But we still like had a great turnout, and the Democrats did win the House back. So I hope people went out and voted on Tuesday and got their voice heard. It was a lot of important issues, like in Louisiana. This is the reason why we need to vote in place like Louisiana. Louisiana, they had a proposition like. On the ballot, where Louisiana voters were able to vote to repeal an amendment to the state constitution. It was Amendment 2. It was an amendment that was implemented during the Jim Crow era. And in that amendment, like basically capital cases in the state of Louisiana, they had to be capital cases or like death penalty cases. The verdict had to be unanimous. So the jury had to come to everyone in the jury. 12 out of 12 juries had to find a person guilty for the person to be sentenced to death. But for all other felony cases, the verdict could be non-unanimous, which means like 10 out of 12 jurors found a person guilty for all other felony cases, like the person could still go to jail. So it didn't have to be unanimous. So basically, this really screwed black people at the end of the day because blacks, they were not able to just because like maybe one or two, if maybe one or two black people were on the jury, they would be overruled. And if they they would be overruled, basically, if the rest of the jury was white. And they didn't agree with the the ruling, they the person will be sent to jail, which is unfair because due process says that you go to jail under reasonable doubt. So if there's any reasonable doubt that the person didn't do it, you shouldn't be going to jail, and that violates your rights. If there's any reasonable doubt, you're not supposed to go to jail. But that wasn't happening in Louisiana, and they were voting to strike that amendment down. So hopefully they got that amendment repealed. I heard about that on Vice News, and I thought that's that's an important reason why people need to go out and vote, because there's still people being treated unfairly out in some of these states. New York, we are in the north, but there's other places around the country that don't think like New York or California or traditionally blue states. There's some people that, there's some places around the country that think wrong, and Places like Louisiana, that law needs to be changed, and hopefully they went out and voted for that law in droves because that's a really unfair law, especially since we know that it was made to convict blacks of felonies easier. So I hope people went out and voted. Hopefully we all made a change. And just get your voice be heard. I know I shouldn't be talking because I didn't vote, but like I said, my vote in New York, in this case, I knew, like, I had nothing to worry about in New York. It's everywhere else. We have something to worry about. That's all I care about. Everywhere else. New York, I believe in my people. Everywhere else, it's a little shaky. So that's my little politic talks for the day. Now, going back to some other news. I just found out Applebee's had the, its biggest earnings period in years. And they said it's because of stress eaters. My question is, who the hell eats at Applebee's? Ugh. 
Ugh, ugh, who eats there? Ugh. I would never eat at Applebee's. Only time I've eaten at Applebee's if I'm like, if I was out and someone said, hey, I'm hungry, let's go get some, let's go send and eat. Oh, what's there to eat? Oh, it's Applebee's right there. That's the only way I've been Applebee's. There's no way, like, can you imagine, like, my in my weird-ass head, I could never imagine someone, like, really making plans to go to Applebee's. Like, can you imagine that? Someone making plans to go to Applebee's? So, like, someone coming to you and be like, like, ladies or guys, imagine your significant other coming to you and be like, yo, babe, let's go to Applebee's. Like, let's go to Applebee's on Friday. You, Applebee's is never a place that you should be making, like, pre-plans, like, planning ahead for. That's something just, like, spontaneous in the in the moment type stuff. I know they got cheap, cheap food and they have also have cheap drinks. So I get it for, like, college students and people who are broke. I get it. But, like, adults, people who have money, I'm not going. If you cheap and just want to eat there, eh. That's on you. Me, I'm never. I've never eaten Applebee's. Even when, when I have money, I'm never, ever, ever planning on eating Applebee's. Ever, ever, ever. Just don't. Like, I know some people like, celebrate their birthdays at Applebee's. Oh my God. Ugh, ugh. Like I, I would really feel type of way. I really feel like you would. You don't love me if you took me to Applebee's for my birthday as a celebration. Hell no. I, you don't love me. You don't really care about me. If you took, brought me to Applebee's for my birthday, you don't really love me. I'm sorry, you don't love me. Actually, I've seen some crazy shit before. It wasn't for a birthday celebration, but it was for a celebration. It was someone, this girl graduated from um from college, and I was we it was when I was younger. And I thought this was the funniest moment in my life. I was we were in um White Castle on Fordham Road, that by the four by the four line, right over there. <laughs> this lady comes in. No, this guy comes in with his um with his significant other, and she's wearing her cap and gown. And he's like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna celebrate your we're gonna celebrate your graduation right now." And we're I'm like, "Where?" <laughs> and they're eating. They he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna celebrate here in White Castle." I'm like, "Oh hell no, nope, 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 nope." And from that point on, I said to myself, "If someone ever brought me to White Castle as a celebration for my graduation, my birthday, or anything, any type of celebration, they don't love me. <laughs> they don't care about me. I understand you broke. It might be it might be your favorite food." But Applebee's, White Castle, those places you don't go for celebrating somebody. I'm never going to celebrate somebody at Applebee's or thing. Applebee's, is, like I said, Applebee's is the only place. Only time you go to Applebee's is if you just, like, there's nothing else open. Like, it's just right there. I know New Rochelle, New Rock City. You're over there. You just came out the movie thing. You hungry? You want something to eat? Cool. Let's go to Applebee's. But there should never be a planned out day where you said, hey, we're going to Applebee's this Friday. Let's go. Why? Unless you're a college student, you should never say that. Ever. Ever. Unless you're a college student or broke, you should never, ever say that. Or if you have a kid that just loves Applebee's. Cool. But an adult that doesn't have kids, that's not in college, and is not broke, you should not be saying, I want to go to Applebee's to go eat. And plan ahead. But that's just me. But speaking of restaurants, it's time for the Stats of Service Tip of the Week. The Stats of Service Tip of the Week is customers, if you don't like something, say something. Okay? It's simple. If you don't, if you taste your food, if I deliver your food and you taste it, it don't taste right or it don't look right, tell me. Tell me. Don't eat the food. Eat it all up. When I come to you, 
after you take that first bite or that second bite and I come up to you and I say, hey, how's everything going? How do you like the food? Don't lie to me and say, oh, it doesn't taste good. Don't lie to me. Or if I keep coming back and I say, hey, is everything still going okay? Don't lie to me and say, oh, it's okay. It's doing good. But then if my manager comes around, you're going to go tell them that you had a problem with the food and then half the food is gone. You just say you didn't like the food, but you ate half the food. Or the customers I really hate, oh my goodness, customers I really hate is when they, I give them their food, I ask them all, like, is everything okay? Oh yeah, everything's great, everything's so good. And then at the end, I give them the bill. They was like, you know, I, I, everything was great. You were great as waiter, but I, like, I really didn't like the food. What? But then I ask you if you like the food. So what happened between when I asked you if you like the food and now? It's like, yeah, I didn't like the food. I ate, I ate all of it, like, but if you didn't like it, you could have told me earlier, and I could have got you a different plate. So now you're telling me now for what reason? So I'll take it off the bill, so you get a free meal. I know, I know the game, customers. I know the game. Don't play, don't play with me. If you don't like the food, tell your waiter, so he can exchange. He or she can exchange it for something else that you may want, and you have you'll be happy and satisfied paying for. Don't lie to us. And wait till our manager comes around or wait till the check comes. So then we'll hopefully and then you eat half the food or eat all of it and then want the food taken off your bill. No, we don't play that. Homie, don't play that. Homie, don't play that. You're going to pay for that food because you had ample opportunity to come and tell us there was a problem. Now, granted, if your service sucks and he didn't tell you and he didn't he never asked you how your food was or he never gave you that option when you did tell him, then that service sucks. And by all means, you can complain to the manager and everything else. But if your server comes up to you and asks you how your food is and how you are doing and you don't give them the correct response, if you're unhappy, guess what? You pay for that meal. So, like I said, customers, if you don't like something, say something. But before I sign off, I just want to remind you guys, if you do want to like comment on what I have to say or continue the discussion about anything I mentioned in the episode, you can't hit me up at... 11SOS25 on Instagram. Again, you can hit me up on at 11SOS25. You can follow me, like my post, whatever. I don't care. This, you want to follow, no more. But I also want to say RIP to my brother Jordan who passed away last weekend. I know we weren't the closest because he lived all the way in Houston. I really didn't keep in contact, which is a regret, regret right now. But just want to say RIP to him and sorry to his, his young kids, his wife, his ex-wife, and everyone down there, his mom. Just want to say sorry to all of them. It's just a sad situation. Thank you guys for listening again. Enjoy the rest of your week. Hey, y'all. <laughs>